Let me read this passage and then we'll get stuck into it for a bit and see where God wants to take us. So um, I'm going to read from Luke 11. It's something that's probably familiar to you um, and you can follow along if you want to or you can just sit back and um, let it wash over you. So uh, starting from Luke 11, right, starting right from the start, Jesus was praying in a certain place and after he'd finished One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us and do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him what he needs. So I say to you, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who, seeks, everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let's just pray. Lord, we don't want to miss an opportunity today. Lord, we thank you for the ability to gather together freely. We think of all those people in other parts of the world who have to meet today in secret, who hide in caves or basements or out in the middle of a forest just to gather, just to worship you and to listen to your word. And Lord, we can come freely and openly. So may we not take that for granted. Give us ears to hear what you would say to us today. And give us the courage to act on it. Ask it in your name. Amen. I grew up in a uh, very safe, normal, conservative Baptist church. Um, uh, From the time I was born, I joked once that I was conceived in a Baptist church, but I didn't mean that because... um, it wasn't that sort of Baptist church, you know. Um, but I, I, I grew up in this church and uh, went through Sunday school and all those things, and it was very safe and very normal um, until I was about, I don't know, 14 or 15, and we had a new pastor come. And for the next few years, um, our church started to go through this change and this renewal, and we started to... Um, have some teaching about spiritual gifts and about the Holy Spirit and uh, that God is not just um, some 
some set of ideas but God is real and present and lives with us today and and God is moving and active amongst us and whenever we gather together God actually wants to do something it's not just we don't just gather together um, out of sake of religion or ritual or for these things we gather together because we meet with the living God and so we were uh, went through this renewal and I remember um, you know it's part of a really a really great small group and we used to get a chance to like practice things with each other and we were learning together about how to do this uh, this life that was so much more than I'd ever thought of growing up as a kid and um, things started to happen like I remember uh, there was a day that I was leading worship and it was like God gave me a really specific word for someone. I don't know if you've ever had that happen, but the first time it's really, really scary, right? Because because everything's on the line. Your reputation is on the line, right? But I just felt this thing, and, I, and so I just shared this thing, and I heard nothing. And I went, oh, God, okay. Uh, later that day, someone rang me and said, that was absolutely spot on. Um, and I just needed to tell you, because I just wanted to encourage you that uh, you were actually hearing from God. And that was, that was like, oh, okay, God does do this stuff. And God even used me to do it. And so a few years later, I was pastoring. I was, I was at Bible college and I was an associate pastor at, at another church. And um, uh, this, we went through another stage of renewal. This was like the mid-90s. And we uh, went through uh, what... Uh, sort of was nicknamed the Toronto Blessing, right? It's when uh, we used to hang out at uh, Westside, whatever, was it called Westside then? That's what it was called, hang out there a bit. And um, uh, God was just doing some really cool stuff and I learned more and learned more that God wants to take us deeper and deeper into this stuff of him, that, that he, uh, he has a life for us that is more than just going through the motions. And then um, a number of years later, uh, I was pastoring uh, in Wyala, and um, uh, I started to have this thing as a pastor where I'm, I was preaching, I was doing a lot of reading about revivals, doing a lot of thinking about um, the theology of what God was up to, and I, I realised I was preaching, and I was telling stories as sermon illustrations that were from 200 years ago, or that were from something that happened overseas somewhere. And I was in this place where I just, all the examples I was giving about what God might want to do amongst us were other people's stories. And I started to pray and I started to say to God, I don't want to tell other people's stories anymore. I want some of my own, God. I want our stories. And uh, over, a, over a little while, God took us deeper and deeper into that. And we had a season in Wyala that um, I can... It's the closest thing I've ever been in that was revival. I'm not sure it was revival, but it was a season where crazy stuff was happening. We had a prayer room that, and we had uh, all the churches in the city were coming together twice a year for a week and praying together nonstop, 24-7, uh, for the whole week. Um, when we put those, everyone would just like put up one hour slots and ask people to book in. The slots that booked in first were the slots between 1am and 6am. People just came and prayed overnight and all sorts of stuff started to happen. People would walk into our prayer room and just be healed just walking in. 
People would uh, regularly, regularly have encounters with angels in our prayer room and in our worship services. Angels would just turn up and and do all sorts of crazy things. There was just stuff going on. It was just completely um, out of our realm of understanding, really. But God was working. And it was in this season that I learnt, I think, the lesson, the theology, the understanding that changed me as a follower of Jesus more than anything else. I think the most important thing I ever learnt. And that's what I want to share with you today. This passage we read. Let me do a real quick little bit of background theology, okay? Because... um, one of the things that happens is uh, there's, this, there's this biblical word, repent. Right? Have I talked to you about the word repent before? I don't know. So this word repent, the Greek word for repent. What does repent mean? Let me ask you this. What does repent mean? When I grew up, repent was like, you know, when you do something wrong, you have to say sorry, right? And, and you know, you have to make it look good, um, especially for your parents, um, uh, even if you didn't really mean it, you had to make it look good. Um, but repent had this idea of you know, saying sorry, being sorry for what you've done, asking for forgiveness. But the biblical word, the Greek word for repent is the word metanoia. I knew that would really inspire you. Uh, <laughs> oh, let me explain what metanoia means. That's probably helpful. Um, Metanoia means change your mind or change your thinking or, or get a whole new way of seeing the world, right? It doesn't mean say sorry and just move on. It means you have to start thinking differently. You have to start thinking differently about God. You have to start thinking differently about yourself and you have to start thinking differently about how God interacts in the world. Because if we do that, we make, start to make that change then all sorts of things open up for us. We have this thing, right? And this has been my experience on a long journey. We have this thing where we read these stories in Scripture and we read these things that Jesus did and they're sort of up here somewhere. And then we look at our own experience of how God works and it's sort of down here somewhere, right? You know what I mean? And we really have two options of how to try and Work that out, and our brains are trying to work that out all the time. And one of the options is, and it's the one that most of us, especially in safe, western, comfortable, middle class churches, do, is we go, What I'm going to do is I'm going to lower my theology down to meet my expectation. I read in the Bible that God heals people, but I don't see any of that today, so therefore God must not heal today. Because I haven't seen it. So I lower my expectation of God and I lower my theology down to make sense and understand what I'm seeing around me. The other option, of course, is to say what we see in the Bible is actually true. And what I have to start doing is lift my expectation to match that. You see the difference? I may not see it right now, we say it, even, even if we don't see it, it's still working, right? I may not see it, but I have to start believing that God actually wants to do that. That God actually wants to work like that today. So I want to talk about 
how we, are, how we live this kingdom life today, how we make that shift of our expectation. And I want to suggest there's two, two things that we have to do. The first one is this. And it, come, it comes from that story. There's a man at midnight, he has visitors turn up and he has to provide food for them. Like it's a very cultural thing to do. If you have visitors turn up, it doesn't matter what time of the day or night, you have to turn up and you have to feed them. And so if you've got nothing, it's shameful. And so he goes to his friend, his friend. And, oh, I've got someone to turn up, I need some bread. He's like, go away. No, no, really. I, I, and he keep, and he, Jesus says this, even if he won't get up and give you the bread because you're his friend. The minimum standard, at least, is if you just keep annoying him, he will eventually do it. Right? And Jesus says, I'm not like that. I will do these things because I'm your friend. The standard is different. I think that's the twist in that story that we don't often think about. It's not like we just have to, just have to nag it. Oh, gin, thanks. Mm. No, vodka. Um, we have this, we have a God who wants to give us good things. Right? There's a psalm I was reading just a couple of weeks ago. It says, the Lord opens his hand and gives us good things. And so, well, I think what Jesus is saying is, you, you don't actually have to keep doing this. Don't think that, that your life is going to be continually knocking because, you know, you'll eventually wear me down. Because I'm your friend, I want to give you good things. And I think the thing that stops us from stepping into this way of living with God, is that we don't trust him. Again, because we read this stuff up here, but our experience is down here. And what if we, like if we stepped out and did something a little crazy, if we stepped out and did something that we think God is doing and God didn't do anything, then we'd look stupid. And in our culture, reputation is everything. And I honestly believe in our culture, reputation, our, our wanting to preserve our reputation is the thing that most of all stops us from being where God wants us to be. We're so worried about looking good. We're so worried about, about not looking stupid in front of other people. I remember we were in Wyala and I was having, I might have told you this story once, but I was, I was having a day where um, I was arguing with God about some stuff, um, especially about this, about going deeper with him, about pursuing him wherever. And uh, I used, there was a spot that I used to go and pray that was about a 20-minute drive out of the city. I sort of go around this bay and I could look back across the water to Wyala and I'd sit there and pray often. And I'm out there wrestling with God and wrestling with God and... Um, I said, God, why aren't you doing this stuff? You know, and God said, well, are you willing to do anything I ask you to do? Really clearly, right? Are you willing to do anything I ask you to do? And then I argued with him about that for a while. And in the end, in the end, I went, 
yes, God, I am willing to do anything you ask me to do. As long as I know it's you, I will say yes. In fact, I'll say yes now, then all I have to do is work out whether it's you speaking or not, because I've already given you my answer. Right? Risky. And I, th- and I just suddenly felt this peace, and I felt like God say, okay, we're done now. <laughs> okay? So I started to drive back, and I got about halfway back, about 10 minutes into the drive, and I heard God say really clearly, so you know how you're now going to get a haircut? And I went, yep. He goes, well, Kate, the hairdresser, has got a really sore wrist. She's hurt it. I want you to pray for it because I want to heal it. And I said, really, God? <laughs> and, you know, there are, times, there are times when I've almost audibly heard the voice of God, and this is one of the times, and all God said in reply was, you did say anything. Okay. So I drive to the hairdresser. Kate um, was one of the most popular hairdressers in town. Usually had to book a couple of weeks ahead to get in. The place was always full. So I was safe. I'd, I knew that I wouldn't have to worry too much about having to do this anyway because there just wouldn't be an opportunity because the salon was always packed. I walked in and it's empty. <laughs> empty. So I sit down in the chair and I'm sort of... You know, and, um, and I feel these little nudges from God, go on, ask her about her wrist, you know. And she's cutting my hair and I'm trying to get sneaky looks in the mirror to see if there's something wrong with her wrist as she's cutting my hair, you know, like, oh, no, it seems okay. And get through the whole haircut and I just feel this intense thing from God, you need to do it, you need to do it, you need to do it. And, I'm like, and uh, get to this point where I'm actually paying for my haircut, right? We're right at the end of the whole thing paying for my haircut and I think I've got away with it and as she swipes my card through the machine, that's back in the old days when I swiped the card through the machine, I look down and on the back of her right wrist there was this black bruise and I felt God say come on alright so Kate knew I was a pastor and Kate knew I was involved in church stuff and she'd gone to the Catholic school so you know, she'd had some sort of God stuff in her life and I just said you know Kate you know, I'm a pastor. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've been seeing God do some really cool stuff in our church lately. And um, I just want to ask, um, is there something wrong with your wrist? I see this mark there. And she went, oh, no, no, that's just hair dye. I was just dyeing someone's hair and I got some dye there. She goes, I went, oh, God, really? Really? And she said, but now that you mention it, I did hurt my wrist the other day. And... Um, it's making it hard to work. I, I can cut hair okay, but what I can't do is like twist this way, like opening jars or opening bottles, and it's really painful, and I'm not sure what I'm going to do about it. I, mean, I said, all right, would you mind? This is, might sound really weird, Kate. Would you mind if I just prayed for that? And she goes, okay. <laughs> so I did this really quick prayer, ran out the door, And didn't hear another thing about it. About a week or two later, Vicky goes into the shop and um, Kate says, oh, I've been trying to catch Steve. I've seen him walk past a couple of times and I haven't been out. I've been too busy. But a couple of weeks ago, he prayed for my wrist and it's completely better. And then she looked at Vicky and said, but now my shoulder's sore. (laughs) And Vicky says, 
You can talk to Steve about that next time he comes in. <laughs> but I, what I started to learn was this. When God says that we can trust him, we actually can. And that if we start to step out and do the things that we know God is already doing, he actually will back us up. Are you willing to trust God enough to take that first step and allow him to back you up? You know, that great old proverb, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. You learn it in Sunday school. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths or he will make your path straight, whichever version you use. Remember that? Right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Okay, we can sort of get that. And then there's this next bit. And lean not on your own understanding. Trust God. Don't trust yourself. What we want to do is trust God and work it out ourselves. Right? Trust God and we want to trust God and stay in control of everything. Pastor Bill Johnson from Bethel Church in America, he says this. He says, if you want the peace that passes understanding, you have to give up the right to understand. Just swallow that for a second. Because trusting God means trusting him. And trusting him with our reputation. Now here's what I know. When I pray for healing for people, does everyone get healed? No. Why? I don't know. It annoys me, but I don't know. But I know this. More people get healed when I pray for them than when I don't pray for them. More people experience God when I pray for them than when I don't pray for them. So already we're on a winner, right? If we're willing to lose our reputation. Or at least put our reputation on the line. And then Jesus says this, he says, which of you, as a parent, if your child asks for a fish, we give them a snake, if they ask for you know, different versions, if they ask for this, we, like, we wouldn't do it, would we? I mean, you know, practical joke, gifts are funny sometimes. You know, we used to do it in youth group. You know, someone's birthday and you'd buy them something as small as you possibly could and then wrap it up so many times in so many boxes. You'd take this massive box in and they spend the next half hour playing past the parcel to get down to this little thing that you bought them, usually the $2 ring out of the machine at the, at the shops or something, you know. Or the little rubber bouncy ball or something. God's not like that. God doesn't trick us. When Jesus says at the start of this thing, this is how I want you to pray, pray that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he actually means it. Jesus actually means that that is possible. Otherwise, he's ripping us off, right? Here's what I want. I want you to pray for something that will never, ever happen. What sort of God's that? I want you to pray for something that's impossible to achieve. What sort of God's that? So if Jesus says, you can pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he means that when you pray that stuff, God might actually do that, that heaven may come to earth, that that thing that's happening in the future, that we know one day Jesus is going to come back and fix everything and the world's going to be a lovely place and we're all going to just sit around and do something. I know what we're not going to do in heaven. We're not going to sing oceans. That's, um, that's 
definitely not going to happen in heaven. But we're going to, like, there's going to be this thing where God fixes everything. And Jesus says, what you can do is you can pray and take that thing that's happening in the future and you can drag it into the present now. That's what it means, right? That's what even give us this day our daily bread means. It has this eschatological thing that says, give us today the bread that you've set aside for us tomorrow. Like it's bringing the future back into the present. So when Jesus says, if you as a parent, as broken and as evil and as corrupt as you are, it's encouraging, isn't it? Know how to give good gifts to your kids. How much more? How much more? They're the three key words in that whole verse. How much more will the Father, what? Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Now, here's the kicker. Here's the bit that changes everything. You can ask God for whatever you want and you can be persistent in prayer for whatever you want and whether that's healing or whether that's direction or whether that's guidance or whatever you're asking God for, here's the kick. The answer that you're going to get is God. Jesus doesn't say, how much more will the Father give healing to those who ask for it? How much will the Father give direction to those? I'm not saying God doesn't do that. He does do that. But the the answer to your prayer is not that thing. The answer to your prayer is more of God. The answer to your prayer is that God will pour out his spirit in you and will... I don't know what... You guys have been... I haven't haven't sat back and watched all the last lot of sermons about the Holy Spirit. So if I repeat something that's already been said, good. If I contradict something that's already been said, good. Um, But... The primary role of the Holy Spirit is to bring fully the presence of the Godhead to bear and to dwell in us. So it's not just the Holy Spirit that lives in us. The Holy Spirit brings the Father and the Son to dwell in us. All of the Trinity, the whole Godhead, comes and dwells within us. The fullness of God comes and dwells within us. Paul says the very power that raised Jesus from the dead comes and dwells within us. The question is, do we believe it? Do we trust it? Do we trust God enough that we can believe his word if we ask God, he will give us himself. If we ask him, we will receive God in all his fullness. Let's sink in, because it's a, it's a mind battle. Because our, our human Western brains say, yes, but. Yeah, but I don't see it. Yeah, but what about? Do you know what I mean? You doing it? Is your brain doing that now? There's this battle on, I can feel it. There's this battle on, yes, but. Yes, but, yes, but. No, no, just Yes. If we ask God, he will give us all of himself. And here's what I've come to believe. We will receive as much of God as we are willing to believe for. We will receive as much of God as we are willing to trust him. 
And all of those stages of my life where, where God's done more stuff and more stuff and more stuff have coincided with me being willing to die to self. To become more risky in my faith. And to say, God, I'll do whatever. Now, here's what I want to say. Because one of the dangers of this is that we can get into this legalism or this non-grace stuff. We can get into this stuff that says, um, I just need to try harder. I just need to pray more. Or somehow I need to have more faith. It's not what this passage says. Jesus never said you need more faith. Jesus always talked about using the faith you have, whatever size it is. Right? You can have faith the size of a mustard seed and can see great things happen for the kingdom if you apply your faith appropriately. (laughs) You remember the guy whose son was healed of demons? He said, I do believe, help my unbelief. Like we live in this tension, right? So I'm not saying it's perfect, and I live with it all the time as well. That I want to believe, but I don't believe. I want to believe, but I don't believe. But what I want to do is learn that the, at least the bits I do believe, I want to put them into action. Because when we do that, God responds to that, and our faith actually grows because we see God at work. And so then we, then we can go a little bit harder, and then we see more. And like it builds this thing. It's a learning thing. To, we learn to trust God. But we start with what we've got. How much more? How much more? How much more of God do you think you can take? Think about it. How much more of God do you think you can take? You've had, you got enough, right? You're comfortable? Because what, what might happen is that God, if you go deeper with him, he might actually ask you to, do some more stuff. He might ask you to be a bit more obedient. He might ask you to keep cleaning up your lifestyle. He might ask you to to talk to someone that you wouldn't normally talk to. He might ask you to pray for someone. How much more? This is the question you have to settle in your mind. How much of God are you willing to settle for? And I promise you, it's a battle of the mind. It's a battle of our belief. It's a battle of our ability to trust God. Because God is not the blockage. God is not the one who sets limits on us. We are the ones who set limits on how much of God we actually experience. So if God is a father who gives good gifts, stop for a moment and think about what that would look like for you. I believe that we're in a new season. I believe... uh, God's doing some interesting stuff with Vicky and I at the moment, including we're moving house this weekend, just up the road in Peterhead. And 
it's totally a God thing, and I don't have time to tell you the whole story. It's totally a God thing. But I believe part of the reason is God is repositioning us because there's something he's doing in this area. That there's something he's doing on this peninsula. That he's shuffling resources around. That he's repositioning. He's asking people to step out in faith. He's asking people to trust him for more. If you don't live on the peninsula, if you travel into it, think about moving to the peninsula. I'm serious. I know that's hard to do because of rentals or whatever, but God makes ways. We have a, we have a miracle story about how we're getting here. God's repositioning people because God's doing something here in this church and in this region. How much more do you want? What are you willing to give up for? How much of your reputation are you willing to give up to go after what God is doing? And the great fallback position, at the very least, because God is your friend, he's going to give you himself. And that's actually is what you really want. Yes, he'll heal you. Yes, he'll do those other things. And I'm grateful that he does those things. But what you will get more than anything is you will get the fullness of the Holy Spirit bringing the fullness of the Godhead to dwell in you every day, every moment.